Welcome to Alphabet Soup, a podcast where we're going to work our way through a wide variety of biblical topics using the alphabet. Our goal, of course, is to understand the Bible better, but we also want to find ways in which Scripture applies to our daily lives. So with that intro, let's get to it. Welcome back to the second part of Why is for Youth. And we spent the first part of this episode talking about the problems with having a youth ministry that's typical, that is to say, that is staffed by a youth pastor who runs a church within a church, and some of the results that that brings us that are, I think, very problematic. Um, and, And so the attrition rate of teenagers, once they age out of the high school group, is unfortunately very, very high. We lose them to the rest of their time in our congregation. Not only that, but we send them away with some real resentment for uh, the adults who ran off their pastor. So here's my modest proposal. And as I suggested in the last one, this is what I was raised with. I was raised in the Berean Bible Church in Shoreline, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. I grew up saying Seattle, Washington is where the church was, but but now they're a little more picky about that. It's the church in Shoreline. Their second hire was not a youth pastor. Their second hire was what they chose to call a Christian education director, a CE director. The church had and still has a very developed and healthy Christian education ministry because they believe it is important that God's people know God's word. For example, then, there is a separate Sunday school hour. I'm not sure. I don't think they call it Sunday school anymore. I think they decided that term is a bit dated and, and, and doesn't communicate well. I think it's just called the Bible hour. But there are classes from the nursery on up through adults. And in fact, at any given point in time, there are typically at least three adult classes that are electives. And you can choose which one you take. There are other Christian education programs throughout the week. There are men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies and, and, and. Thus, they hired a Christian education director. This person did not do ministry. I'll explain in a moment. That sounds a little radical. I'll explain what I mean. But Bruce Kemper was the first Christian education director. Then Jim Carlson was the Christian education director who replaced Bruce when Bruce became the senior pastor at a church in Spokane. Now it is Susie Bates who is just amazing. She's so very good. This position is not a ministry position in the sense of doing ministry. It is a ministry position in the sense, in the biblical sense, excuse me, of Ephesians chapter 4, to prepare God's people for works of service. The Christian education director recruits trains, develops, and supports those people in the church, the regular old people in the church who do all of these things. The Sunday school superintendent, the Sunday school teachers, the Awana leaders, and the Awana workers, uh, the youth sponsors. Now, that's what they called them. I don't know if they still do that or not, but they were our sponsors. This is the part that I think is especially noteworthy. The Christian education director would identify a couple, at least in my experience, it was always a young couple, typically um, before they had children, but not always. Sometimes they had very young children. 
recruited these workers, these sponsors, trained them, equipped them, supports them, gives them curriculum, gives them guidance, listens to them pulling their hair out and screaming and all of that. But these sponsors were recruited from within the church. I grew up in the church. I had junior high sponsors and I had high school sponsors and I can name every one of them and I can picture them in my head because they had a huge impact in my life. They had the impact equivalent to any youth pastor. If I had grown up in a church that had a youth pastor, I would have bonded to him. I bonded to these uh, people from within my church. It is extremely demanding to be a uh, to work with teenagers, to have a life, to have a, a marriage, and sometimes little kids, to have a job. Maybe both husband and wife have a job, to have things that you want to do for recreation. And then add in the incredible workload that it is to work with teenagers every weekend, many times during the night, still go to their football games and band concerts and all of the rest of that, their musicals, to go to all of that and give them all of the love and attention that they so need within the context of Christian ministry. To do that as lay people, these people are heroes. Fred and Karen Olson, um, the Hollies, uh, the Johnsons. I remember these people because they were just so important in my life. They were my connection. They were almost like a second set of parents in many cases to me. But here's where things change. The Hollies, the Olsons, the Johnsons did not leave the church. It was their church. Now, they burned out. They burned out after two to three years because it just consumes so much of their energy to do this, to lead a youth group, to train the youth in the church, how to be young men and women of God. It just is such an investment on their part that they can only pull it off for two or three years and then they're exhausted. And so whether it's Dick Ely or Jim Carlson or Susie Bates or whoever the, the DCE, that's what we call them, Director of Christian Education, whoever the DCE was, recruited them, trained them, gave them resources, walked alongside them. And even while he's doing or she's doing that, they're busy hunting down the next set because they're going to need them very, very soon. However, the advantage to this is that when they burn out, what do they do? Where do they go? They go back into the congregation. So when I age out of the high school group, now, as it turns out, when I graduated from high school, I went halfway across the country from Seattle to a small Bible college in Michigan. But these sponsors, junior high and senior high sponsors, went back into the congregation where they sat for another year like zombies, just soaking up um, and, and, and being refreshed and they were heroes to me, and now my heroes are part of the congregation. Do I want to go to church on Sunday morning? You bet I do, because I see Fred and Karen Olson sitting there. That is the difference. Instead of hiring and creating a church within a church, youth ministry becomes something the church does for its own youth. Did Fred and Karen Olson do a, as good a job with my high school group as a professionally trained youth group worker would have done? Undoubtedly not. Undoubtedly not. 
But it is not about skills. It is about love and connection. And I felt that with Fred and Karen. And they were in the church and they stayed in the church and they were my connection to the church. And in my case, I went off to college and I came home at Christmas and I came home at at summer. And on a Sunday morning when I went into church on Christmas break, who were the first people I looked up? Fred and Karen Olson. That's how it works. The high school seniors attach to them and when they age out, they move into a congregation to be with them. This, folks, is a win, 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 win. The kids win because they build up a connection with people in the church. The church wins because they are ministering to their youth. They're not hiring a mercenary from halfway across the country who has no knowledge of and learns on the ground the distinctive subculture that is, in our case, Seattle and learns those kids from scratch. Fred and Karen knew who we were before we ever came into the high school group. They knew who we were. They knew our parents. They knew what kind of kids that we were. And and that bond was built very quickly and very effectively. The church wins. We win. Fred and Karen Olson win. You know why? Because they are doing God's work. Because that's the biblical pattern. That's what Ephesians says. We prepare God's people for works of service. In my case, it was uh, Jim Carlson who worked alongside Fred and Karen. And I know because I know what kind of a guy Jim Carlson still is. Boy, he's a senior he's a senior saint now, and he is a saint in every sense of the word. But he ministered to Fred and Karen Olson, and Fred and Karen Olson took care of us. And now, it's not a church within a church. It is a congregation, and the youth are a ministry of the church, and the church loves them. It is a whole church. The church made sure that these sponsors, junior high or senior high, were heroes. Man, they got all kinds of strokes and attention and building up and mention in the worship service. And if there was an announcement made about some youth activity that was going to happen, Fred and Karen's name was mentioned or the Hollies' names were mentioned because they are heroes in the church. Now, how did that happen? That happened because we had a senior pastor named Lloyd Peterson. I I don't remember what his middle name was. It started with an A. And he died. Boy, he had an, oh, he was a giant of a man. He could be a pistol to get along with. But man, when he, when he latched on to a ministry and what he believed was a work of God, there was no shaking him loose from it. He was committed to youth. That was part of who he was. He talked about youth workers. He talked about Sunday school and our kids and he just made it important. It became the importance of, of children and youth became part of that church's DNA. And I, I swear, you cannot find a church that turned out more teenagers who ended up in ministry as missionaries, as pastors in various parachurch ministries. You cannot find a church that had a percentage as high as our church did. And much of that, maybe the vast majority of it, is, I think, attributable to Lloyd's commitment to youth. 
and he shared that, and it was just front and center all of the time. He would bring youth up on a Sunday morning to do something in the service, or just call them up to interview them before the congregation and talk about who they were. And he knew who we were. He knew our background in our lives and talked to us in church. I was frankly terrified of the guy because of his monstrous personality. But we called him Uncle Lloyd. Goodness, what does that tell you about our connection to him? And, and he built into our church's DNA that we valued children and teens and the people who ministered to them were heroes in God's army that was the Berean Bible Church. Okay, Lloyd um, died when I was away at college in my sophomore year. He, uh, he was literally months away from retirement and started acting strangely. And as it turns out, he had a brain tumor. And within six months, he had died and gone to be with the Lord. Um, And because he was such a giant of a man spiritually, and because he built that church, it started as a result of his vision and commitment. The, uh, The youth ministry had grown to such an extent that they decided they needed to build a structure attached to the main structure that was going to be primarily for ministry to youth. It had a gymnasium. It had a couple classrooms. It had a kitchen and so forth. It's used for a wide variety of things. It's used for all kinds of dinners and banquets and all kinds of events. A Sunday school class meets on the stage in this structure, but they named it the L.A. Peterson Youth Center. And the connection of Peterson and youth is not coincidental. He just, it, it, was, it was his burden. I know that when I walked into church on a Sunday morning, adults were going to talk to me. I think that's rare. I think adults put up with kids, sometimes behaving badly. But at Berean Bible Church in Shoreline, Seattle, Washington, whatever you want to call it, walk into church And there were adults who would talk to me, who would call me by name and ask me how school was going or whatever, because they valued me. And I knew my church valued me. I want to suggest that we've done a great disservice to our church and to our youth when we have hired an expert, uh, a mercenary, to come in and do the work of the ministry that we should be doing. And we should be lifting up our youth workers and our Sunday school teachers. And everybody in that church should know their names. They should be prayed for. And their pictures should appear in publications and talking about the work they're doing. And yeah, they're going to burn out and we'll replace them with somebody else. And we'll support them. I think we've done a disservice to our youth and to our church and to our parents and to the youth sponsors, if we can use that term, and to the youth sponsors, because I know, I know that those youth sponsors looked back and said, do you remember when we do that? What, did that? Wasn't that exhausting? And wasn't it wonderful? We still have an interest and attachment to those kids. I guarantee you that now, now I'm so old that I'm sure that all of those names I mentioned have, have for a decade or more been with the Lord, but I'm sure that they would say, that was a time in my life that you must not take away from me because I served the Lord on the front lines and made a difference in the lives of kids and in the, the health of our church. Think about Christ who said, 
Permit the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. All right, now I realize what's going on here. This is what we call spitting into the wind. Nothing is going to come of this because we have become so entrenched. The notion that we have to hire an expert from somewhere else to come in and do this for a relatively short period of time and then leave and go do it somewhere else and we repeat that cycle. I don't think there is one chance in a million that we can turn this around unless... It starts at the grassroots level. They say that fads go from top down and trends go from bottom up. Fads are short-lived. Trends are lasting. The next time your church is without a youth pastor, take a risk and suggest maybe we shouldn't hire a youth pastor. Maybe we should hire somebody who prepares God's people to do works of ministry. And if you think I'm crazy, and if you think you, it just won't work in this current environment, it is too complex, okay, fine. But I'm holding out, folks. I'm holding out for what I think, frankly, is a biblical pattern and is worth uh, considering carefully and saying maybe it's time to say that the king isn't wearing any clothes at all. Hey, <laughs> thanks for your time and your patience. If you got comments, please give them to me, abcsouppodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook page, Alphabet Soup. God bless.